Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're so glad that you're here. Um, we're in a series, meaning we take a topic, we talk about it for several weeks. And the series we've been in since uh, the first of the year is Destinations. Today's topic is Do This One Thing. We're going to ask you to focus in on one specific thing as we go through the teaching this morning. So, you can catch up on uh, uh, Facebook or uh, YouTube. Um, do a quick review here at the beginning, and then we'll jump into today's topic. So, we're talking about what's called the PATH principle, and it goes like this. This is not a, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here. This is, this is a principle for everyone, and the principle we're going to talk about today is for everyone. It's just a principle of life. <clears throat> Direction determines destination. So if you get on 95, we talked about this, and you head north, will you ever get to Florida? No. Nobody would argue with that, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter how much you plan, how much you pray, how much you hope, you're never going to get there. Because des- direction determines destination. Going north, you're never going to get to Florida. Florida's south. We understand that. Nobody argues. But when it comes to other areas of our life, and we're going to talk about five of those, it comes to our relationships, our health, our finances. We think there's a disconnect. I can abuse my, my body and have good health. I can abuse my relationships and have good relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just doesn't happen. So we've been trying to apply this principle to other areas of our lives. We summarize it this way. <clears throat> we win or lose by the path we choose. So if I head north, I lose. I don't get to Florida. If I head south, I get to Florida. I win. So, these other areas of our lives. Now, last week, specifically, we talked about our attention. Now, we give our attention to different things. And sometimes, things grab or capture our attention that distract us from the path. So, consequently, distract us from the destination we want to get at. So, we have to be careful what we pay attention to because it directs, uh, influence the entire direction of your life. So I'm going to talk about something a little different this morning. I don't know how many uh, of you would consider yourself perfectionists, <laughs> um, but we all kind of have a little bit of that in us. You know, we want to have the perfect vacation. We want to have the perfect house. We want to have the perfect car. We want to have the perfect uh, computer or cell phone or whatever it is. We have this something inside of us just wants us to have, have the perfect thing. Perfect relationship, perfect spouse, perfect boyfriend, perfect girlfriend. Uh, dating folks, there are no perfect, <laughs> perfect ones out there. Uh, that's the frustrating thing about perfect is, is it ta- attainable? It's not attainable. So it's going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you disappointed. Came across a quote, some of you may be familiar with this, and, and the guy that said this. He said, I'm not interested in getting bigger. I'm interested in getting better. If I get better, customers demand we get bigger. True it, Kathy. Anybody know who that is? God has started Chick-fil-A. I couldn't believe it. In 1946. Chick-fil-A started in 1946. We didn't have it up here up north till past 2000, I guess. Something like that. Uh, did it work? I meant to look it up. I'm I'm guessing it's maybe the third most popular fast food restaurant now, something like that, or third largest. Uh, So that's a good principle for all of life, for you and I personally, for our families, for our church. 
Focus on getting better, not bigger. And notice he didn't say being perfect. Are there any perfect restaurants? Obviously not. So uh, math people, put this next slide up. Math people, what's that sign in the middle mean? Greater than. Now we think perfect is what we should be striving for, but that's unattainable. So what's actually greater than perfect? It's better. And so we started a new year, and I would guess all of us want this year to be better than last year. So we're going to start with the question, how was last year? Now, some of you may have had such a fantastic year last year that you can't top it this year. Anybody? Okay, I didn't think so. I'm just checking. (laughs) And some of you may have had, hopefully not, the worst year of your life, and anything's going to be better than that. Probably all of us kind of fit in the middle there somewhere, which means there can be improvement. For us, for example, we went to Israel in, in April. That was fantastic. That was one of the high points of our lives getting to go to Israel. Uh, then toward the end of the year, my wife and I both had health issues. My wife's still struggling quite a bit. Um, I'm a lot better. Um, so there were some good things and some bad things in this past year. Um, so consequently, I would like 2020 to be better than last year, and probably you do too. So how, the question is, how can we have a better year than last year? How can this year be better than last year? Better is possible. Perfect is not possible. Better is possible. Now let me ask you this. Well, let me ask it this way first. Parents, do you want this year to be better than last year for your kids? Do you want them to get better grades in school? Do you want them to uh, make better relationships, have better friendships? If they're not Jesus followers, maybe this is the year to become Jesus followers. If they are Jesus followers, that they're growing their faith. And what about God? Do you think God wants us to have a better year this year than we had last year? I'll put a verse up. And if you've got a Bible with you, you want to look up a different translation, uh, that's fine. Uh, Jesus having this conversation. He says this, My purpose is to give them, who is them? Us, you and I, Jesus followers. A rich and satisfying life. God's desire for you and I, another tr- translation is the word full, So God's desire for us is to have a full, a rich, and satisfying life. I think that's our desire for us, ourselves. That's our desire for our our kids. So we say it this way, sometimes not original with us. Being a Jesus follower makes your life better and makes you better at life. So if that's our goal, being a Jesus follower helps. So we're going to ask the question another way, different way, this way. We get it up there. Oh, we passed it. Back up. (laughs) In this past year, what area of life have you lost? No, back up. Have you lost momentum? Oh, wait a minute. I got them in the wrong order. Sorry. Uh, Back up. I jumped ahead. (laughs) You can back up now. Or can't you do that anymore? There we go. I don't usually talk about this, but this is kind of a, a, a given for anybody that's a speaker. Uh, I have a responsibility, you have a responsibility as a listener. Now, I believe my responsibility is to challenge you, to get you to, to think better, uh, to be better, to do better, to be encouraged, uh, to be uplifted, whatever. That's, that's my challenge as a speaker. Now, you have a responsibility to receive... And to be challenged 
The Bible talks about be doers of the words and not hearers only. So if you come here and enjoy the, the worship service, and I hope you do, and just go home, the same as when you came, then you wasted your time. Bottom line. So I have a responsibility and you have a responsibility. So I just wanted to remind everybody of that this morning. So the, then we get into our topic. So in this past year, what area of life have you lost momentum? And we're going to give you five specific areas. And as we start at the beginning, we're going to ask you to focus in on one. Choose one. Because one of the frustrating things in life is, well, I can be better in all these areas. Well, then you then we don't usually do much of anything in any area. So let's focus. You can ask the Spirit of God to direct you to which one. So where have you lost some momentum this past year? Did you start spending more money than you made? That's a no-no. That's not good. That doesn't last. Can't work. So maybe that's an area you need to focus on. Relationally, all of us can work on our relations. They all can be better. But maybe, you're, you know, our relationship with my wife, I think, is as strong, if not stronger, than it was in last year. So this isn't the area I would pick. Uh, but it might be for you. Uh, physically, um, you just kind of let things slide. Maybe you got busy at work, working lots of hours, and been able, been neglecting your health, uh, whatever it might be. Career-wise, uh, maybe this past year you just kind of got bogged down. Maybe you're not making the progress. Maybe you're bored. Maybe you hit a wall. I don't know what the situation is. Maybe it's career-wise, and then of course spiritually. Uh, if you kind of let your spiritual life drift this past year, you just don't feel as excited about being uh, a Jesus follower, or maybe you're not a Jesus follower and you just kind of let the whole spiritual aspect of your life just kind of drift away. So pick an area that's, that you lost momentum this last year that, that you would like and God would like for you to do better this year. Um, so how do we change? Well, we're going to talk about another principle this morning besides the path principle. It's called the consistency principle. Again, this isn't a religious principle. It's just a life principle. But we're going to make application, of course. And here's the principle. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. Now, the interesting thing about this principle, it can work for you or against you. I used this illustration in the first service. No problem eating a bag of potato chips once, right? But if you eat a bag of potato chips every day for this whole year, are you going to have better health at the end of the year than you had at the beginning? I don't think so. Be very unusual, very, very strange. Now, if you eat more veggies and fruit every day this year than you did all year long, more kale and broccoli and that stuff, right? more likely for you to have better health at the end of the year. So it can work for you or it can work against you in all these different areas. But when we apply it to whatever area you choose, when you apply it, that's when you can develop momentum. Now here's part of the problem. Some of you may have made New Year's resolutions, I don't know. Uh, I just make them when I think I need to make them, but whenever you make them. Experts tell us by this time, what are we, about six weeks into the year? How many New Year's people still are keeping their New Year's resolution? About this, you know, really small amount. Six weeks in, it's over. 
And it happened the same thing last year, it happened the year before, it'll probably happen the next year. So here we're going to help you with that. <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't want to call them resolutions, but we should try and improve ourselves, right? Try and be better. So if you don't want to call it a resolution, that's one thing, but we should try and be better. So here's the issue. Making the commitment, like I said, I make it different times in a year, will get you to the starting point. When I made the decision, this is an area of my life I need to work on. My relationships, my health, my finances, whatever. This is an area I need to work on. Commitment will get you to the starting line. I've just made a decision. I've made a commitment. But then six weeks later, what's happened? So uh, next slide, please. Gets you to the starting line. But it's only consistency will get you to the finish line. Those of us that are runners, uh, easy illustration for us, right? It's easy to start out a race. Get in line, the gun goes off, and you start running. The key is what? To get to the finish line. And most of you know I've run 50-mile 50, 50 races. People say, how do you do that? Well, I just tell them I don't stop. Right? If you keep putting, one year I had to walk half of it. My knee gave out. And I got to the end. I just kept moving. Consistency. Consistency. So you have to have a plan. We're talking about a path or a plan. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. Uh, one is, is uh, somebody's called it the uh, latte principle. And it's a little old, I think, because the numbers don't work out. But the illustration I was reading it said this. If you spend $3.50 a day on a latte, somebody told me they cost like $5 now. I don't know. <laughs> All right. But we'll use this illustration. I'll have to do the math over again. For 30 years, for 30 years, you drink a latte every day, $3.50. I did the math. It added up to you spent $38,000 after 30 years on lattes. But if you put the money, the same $3.50 every day, in a uh, mutual fund that gets 6%, which isn't that hard to do, uh, bank account, yeah, but mutual fund, at 6%, you know how much money you have after 30 years? $106,000. So that latte costs you $106,000. <laughs> but you say, I didn't get the latte every day. Of course you didn't. But that's the consistency principle. A little consistently over time adds up to a lot. All right, we're going to use a, a physical illustration. This is uh, 365 marbles, they tell me. I didn't count them, all right? This is a year worth of marbles. Now, consistency say, every day, I put a marble over here, and after a year, all the marbles will be over here, right? So, whatever area it might be in your life, financially, I'm going to save the $3.50 every day and not drink the latte. I'm going to put it over here. Um, I'm going to work out a little bit every day. Now, part of the problem is this. What happens? We um, say, oh, I've got I to start working out at the gym. So we go to the gym and we work out for three hours. Go for nothing to three hours. What happens the next day? You can't even move, probably, right? <laughs> but you probably don't want to go back to the gym either. So we try and dump a bunch of them in there all at the same time. It just doesn't work. Or maybe all of them at the same time. Can't do it that way. 
So what do we need to do? We need to go to gym for an hour every day for a year or every other day, whatever your workout schedule might be. And then consistently will produce desired results, you know, 365 a year later. But you have to be consistent. Now, this is new to everybody, right? Nobody ever knew this before. We all know this. This isn't rocket science, right? So, you can just leave and not be any different than you were when you came. So here, I'm going to try and help you with the issue of consistency. The problem is there's an obstacle, obviously, because we're not consistent. So when you identify the area that you need to improve in, the area that you're not consistent, is you've lost momentum, when you identify that area, what have you actually done? You've identified an area of weakness. So you try, you try and change your habits, you try and change your diet and exercise, your financial, your relationships, you know. Yeah, I'm going to spend, you know, a half hour every day talking to my wife. Well, you know, a couple weeks you might have done that, and after a while, you know, you get busy and it doesn't happen. So you've identified an area of weakness. We all have weaknesses. Nobody's perfect, right? Anybody perfect? You can go ahead and leave, all right? Nobody getting up? Okay. So we're none of us are perfect. We all have weaknesses. Now, the funny thing is, I think your weaknesses are worse than mine. You think my weaknesses are worse than yours. But we all have weaknesses. And, and what do we do? Well, let me just, just say this. It's, it's technically not your fault. Meaning, we all have weaknesses. The only reason you could say it's my fault is if you expect it to be perfect. And none of us are. We would agree. Now, we do a couple things with our weaknesses. One thing we... we either compensate or overcompensate. So, for example, if you have trouble spending money, you shouldn't. And so, it's a weak area and you start spending money, you shouldn't. And you get frustrated. What do you usually do then? You spend more money. Isn't that weird? That's what we do. Of course, the other thing we do is we hide it. We don't want people to see our weaknesses. And probably all of us experience this. You've got a neighbor that looks like they're you know, living life New cars, new house, you know, new clothes, and all of a sudden there's a foreclosure sign on their house. And you say, well, how did that happen? Because they were keeping that weakness, financial in this case, a secret. Didn't want people to know. So again, here's a question. Is there an area where you need greater consistency? Well, which is the area? Not if, is there an area? <laughs> which is the area where you need greater consistency? All have them. We all have them. Now, here's the great news. Not just good news, this is great news. There's somebody who wants to help you. And there's somebody who wants to help you that can help you. In fact, he has unlimited help or unlimited power. We're going to use that word. He's a power source that you and I can tap into that's unlimited. That's pretty cool, right? Now, we're going to look at a guy that wrote half the New Testament. And we look at these New Testament or Bible characters and we think these, we call them saints. Bible says we're all saints, but we call them saints and kind of think they live at a higher spiritual level than us. But the cool thing about the Bible, when you read the Bible, all these guys are mess and gals are mess-ups just like you and I, right? They all have weaknesses just like you and I. And Paul, he's the guy we're going to look at this morning, something he wrote, 
he described himself as the chief of sinners, meaning I'm the biggest mess up of all. Uh, Paul, you can't be. You write all this stuff in the Bible. You started churches. In fact, the reason we have a church here in the United States now and we're worshiping, we could trace back probably to Paul that started all these churches all over uh, the Mediterranean. But if you look at Paul's life, yeah, 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 I could call you probably a chief of sinners. What Paul did early in his life, he went around rounding up Jesus' followers, imprisoning them, and killing some of them simply for the fact that they believed this guy named Jesus was the Messiah that he, he, being a Jew, was waiting for. Not because they did anything, you know, killed anybody or stole anything. Just for believing. So that's a pretty bad. That, you know, you've you got to be up there. So we're going to look at something Paul wrote later in life. We call it in 2 Corinthians. But I'm going to start with the end, and then we'll back up and, and go to the beginning. Here's what he says. For when I'm weak, when I have weaknesses, areas I need to improve on, then I am strong. Now, just reading that, does that make any sense? Doesn't make any sense, does it? It's kind of like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. We all know what that means, but shrimp aren't big, they're all little. How can you be weak and strong at the same time? What is he talking about? What does he mean? Well, he means, and we're going to back up and read how his lead into this. I can be weak, but if I plug into the power source, I can be strong. And if you grew up in church, been in church a long time, you're probably familiar with this passage. So to keep, well, before this, he's talking about having this, this caught up in the third heaven. He had this, this spiritual vision that was fantastic. And then he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, hey, I'm better than you, I've had, had this vision. I was given, I, Paul, was given a thorn in my flesh. Now that word thorn refers to a, a tent peg. Now why is that significant to Paul? Did he understand about tent pegs? Yeah, that's what he did for a living. He made tents. So he says, it's like having a tent peg in my body. Not very pleasant. He's going to say it's torment, a message from Satan to torment me. But it was also keep me from becoming proud, which is a good thing. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. I don't know why three. Jesus in the garden prayed that he didn't have to go to the cross three times. But he prayed three times. And what happened? Well, each time, he, meaning God, Jesus, said, my grace is all you need. Sorry, Paul, not getting what you want. (laughs) Because literally there's something better. My grace. My grace is all you need. Because it works best in weakness. Because when you're proud or when you think you're strong, you don't tap into my power source, which is greater than your power source. So then he says, I'm glad then to boast about my weaknesses. Sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Why? Why would you do that? So the power of Christ can work through me. Ah, If you're a Jesus follower, that should be what you and I desire, isn't it? 
And when he says boast, what he's basically saying, people know, to share it. In fact, sometimes we don't share it with God. Does God already know your weaknesses? Sure he does. And people close to you, they know your weaknesses. But just a, uh, uh, um, just a moment on grace. We don't have time to talk about grace. We do all series about uh, series on grace. In reality, all my success and your success is, and we don't need the word unmerited, we use that, but grace is unmerited, is part of the definition, is unmerited grace. You say, well, I did this and I did this. Well, where, where did you get the, the, the ability to do that? Where did you get the strength to do that? Where did you get the time to do that? Where, where did all that come from? Well, we believe it. God's given it to you. So all our success is attributed to God. Because it's His grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. What do we, you and I deserve? We don't deserve anything. So then he goes on. So he says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Pleasure in something that tormented him. And then he gives a list of other things. Insults, hardship, persecution, and troubles. Troubles that I suffer for Christ, not just troubles. And then we get to where we started. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, does it begin to start making sense? Now, is this a one-time deal? Come a Jesus follower and say, okay, I'm weak, you're strong, God, give me your strength. No, it doesn't work that way. It's an ongoing process. We're going to talk about it being a daily process. Um, simple question. God, does God intend for you to be strong? Strong in Him? Do you think that's His intent for you? That you would, we say, victorious Christians? Absolutely. So the, the, the problem is not on His side. He wants us to be strong. He will supply the power. The rest is up to us. So I'll give you quickly a three-step process. comes from this passage. Admit your weakness. Paul said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, we don't know what it was. And I think that's important because we can relate to Paul because we can believe it's the weakness we had, but it doesn't matter. Admit your weakness. Now, weaknesses then are opportunities. They're opportunities for you and I to plug into God's strength. We say it this way, to get closer to God. Sometimes when we're doing well, we kind of neglect God. When we have areas of weakness, God, I can't do this. And it draws us in a closer intimacy with God. Another thing here, you and I will never believe God's grace is sufficient until we believe that we're insufficient. If I think I can do it, if I think I can handle it, eh, don't need your grace. When I understand, when I realize my grace is insufficient, and we've all, especially in this area we focused on today, these are so admit your weakness. Secondly, ask for help. Paul said, <laughs> I boasted about it. I let people know. Um, ask for help. In reality, it takes a strong person to admit they're weak. Doesn't it? 
Uh, some people have addictions. It's hard to get the, a person sometimes to go to AA and stand up and say, hey, I'm an alcoholic, right? To admit your weakness. That's maybe the hardest step, the biggest step in uh, having victory in, in that area. So it takes a strong person to admit, yeah, this is a problem area. This is something I, I'm struggling with. This is some area I, I can't fix myself. I need help. And then daily, we'll use the word daily, uh, daily um, receive God's strength. Ask for and receive God's strength. Uh, could do it more often than that. I just do it, you know, when I'm realizing that I need it. Um, and I may be facing a difficult conversation with somebody. I'll say, God, I need your strength to know what to say in this situation. That's the next slide, by the way, guys. <laughs> receive God's strength. So also on your outline, I believe this says this. When God's strength and power consistently meet our weakness, all right? God's strength and power consistently, not just one time, but consistently meet our weakness, what happens? We grow. And we say, say our mission every Sunday is what? Following Jesus, changing together. That word changing together implies not Changing to, for the worse, but changing for the better. Growth, maturity. Consistently. So, we can't expect a dramatic change from one day to the next. But one month to the next, or one year to the next, certainly. So here's the principle again. You've picked your area. Small things consistently over time lead to big. Things. And the neat thing about this is you, you have a beautiful story to tell afterwards, right? You know, I struggle with this and I struggle with this and I ask, consistently ask for God's help and now look where I am. Now look where I am financially. Now where I look where I am on my, my relationship. For me, probably the biggest thing is my relationship with my wife. You know, folks know we went to counseling a long time ago and it wasn't good at all. We have a fantastic relationship. Now it's really strong. What did it take? It took work year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month. Consistently over time. And now, we, you know, this is a beautiful story we can tell. So you can have or can already maybe have a beautiful story you can tell in one of those areas. So quickly, two things here. Put it into action. Don't try and do this alone. Even AA understands this principle, right? <laughs> it's a group thing. Uh, uh, what's that one diet organization? Um, anyway, organization, no, you, you have group meetings. My wife used to teach aerobics, do aerobics together. Right. It works both ways. For one, it keeps you accountable. Uh, yeah, I got to show up. Don't, we're not jumping ahead yet. You got to show up. Um, I can share with them, hey, I had a bad week, I, I slipped. I didn't do what I was supposed to do this week. Okay, well, let me, let me help you, let me encourage you. What can I do to help this week? So it holds you accountable. That's why everybody needs to be in some kind of ability group. We call them small groups. Uh, it doesn't have to be a church small group, but we hopefully you're in one of those. So, hey, you know, I had a good week this week. Oh, I didn't have a good, very good week. Uh, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? What can I do to help? Because again, it's small things. So you go to a small group every week, week after week after week. 
then your, your maturity grows. Not try and cram in, you know, a small group all day long. <laughs> a couple hours a week, week after week. And you won't notice it right away, but you, after a months you'll look back and say, wow, I'm a different person. I've grown. I've matured. I've gotten stronger. But consistency requires strength. And all of us, our strength runs out. It just does, doesn't it? That's why we need to tap into God's strength. So the other thing is to pray, and I'll give you a sample prayer. You can pray it daily. You can pray it over, during the day. Lord, I need you. So sometimes we don't even admit that, do we? <laughs> Lord, I need you. We're needy people. You know, some of these things I can handle, but and basically, I, I can't. I need you. So please give me your strength, and not for the rest of my life, but for today or for the next hour, or for this situation, this difficult situation coming up. Because again, our strength always runs out. So what's the areas you've picked? Is it a financial area? Are you in a, accountable to somebody with your finances? Are you praying for God's strength? Is it relational? That's probably the most important. Relation with other people and then spiritually relationship with God. Are you accountable? That's one thing about church. It helps you be accountable. Small group helps you be accountable. What about uh, your health? Physically. Accountable to somebody? If you're on some kind of diet or exercise program, is there somebody saying, hey, how are you doing? Are you keeping up? Uh, I just like running. I know you think, most of you think I'm crazy. I just like running, so nobody has to keep me accountable. I run. But we all need, in some areas, that's not my area that I'm focused on. Um, professionally, your career. See, I'm facing retirement one of these years coming up. And I'm thinking, what's that going to be like? That seems to be a challenge. I, I, I start on Monday morning working on, on this teaching on Sunday morning, week after week, 40 years now. <laughs> I'm going to get the place where I don't do that anymore. That's just going to be bizarre. I'm going to need God's strength for that. And then, of course, spiritually. Probably most important, especially um, most important area to be accountable. Spiritually, it's so easy to neglect God because He's invisible. To neglect, to neglect our spiritual side because life is crazy. Life is busy. So you got three, four, five kids. So, do this one thing. That's my challenge for you. Let's pray. We're going to have, have a closing song and we'll, then we'll let you go. Thank you, God. Thank you for this principle. It's, just, it's not a spiritual principle. It's a principle that applies to all areas of life. But the solution is most appropriate for us as Jesus followers because we do have strength when our strength runs out. In fact, it's better because <laughs> your strength, God, is greater than our strength. And so help us hum- not be proud or humble ourselves, admit our need, not only to you, God, but other folks, ask for help, obviously pray to you, and then God is that transformation t- as we're consistent with your help. So that transformation takes place in our life. What a beautiful story we have to share and to tell. And it's all for your glory. We can say, God did this. It's all because of God. 
If you're not a Jesus follower, we want to pray today is at least if you take a step closer. And most importantly, you would step across that line and say, yep, I understand now how important this is. That I need a relationship with God. I need His strength. Can't do it on my own. And it's a gift. God gives it to us. It's a gift. His Son suffered and died to set us free. And you can be free. Accept that gift. We pray that you do that this morning. Uh, nothing complicated, just say yes to Jesus. All right. Father, we thank you again for your presence. I pray that I've done my job to challenge these folks. God, I pray that through your spirit, you'll do your job and the folks here will cooperate. So we'll be different next week and next year than we are right now. Better. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.